Early Childhood Development. Each week we talk about a different stage of children development and what children need. And now, here comes your host. Hello everybody and welcome. My name is Taryn and you are listening to The Parenting. I am so excited this week to be doing my very first interview. My husband gave me the great idea to interview regular mamas, maybe one mama a month and just talk about parenting and raising a child. With that being said, let me introduce to you my very first mama. I have known her literally her whole life, only because she was born about three weeks after I was. She is my cousin. And the little voice that you hear in my intro and outro every week, that little human belongs to her. So without further ado, this is my cousin Janelle. Hello Janelle and welcome to The Parenting. Hi, how are you? I'm so happy to be here today. I'm so excited to be doing my first interview with you. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm happy, I'm healthy, and I'm very excited to be having this conversation with you today. I'm excited to be having it with you as well. Honestly, I am. So let's get right into it. The first question I have for you is what some of your parenting beliefs and philosophies are, and then we're going to tie it in with how those beliefs differ from how you were raised. So actually, when you asked me the question, the first thing that came to mind was how I was raised. So I will just start from there. Um, My parenting philosophy is very much to do what was or to not do what was done when I was raised. Um, I find that we live in a time or we're part of a generation that, um, that, that aims to give our children what we didn't have. And I find that I fundamentally disagree with that because that usually feeds into spoiling our kids, giving them too much of one thing and then not enough of another thing. Because we are a busy generation, we, you know, we are moms and dads both work and that kind of thing. So we tend to supplement attention with things. And so for me personally, my parenting philosophy is to try and manage and balance both of them. In terms of how I was raised, there was very little of anything. So you could almost classify it as like a poverty mindset. And so then when you migrate into your adult life and you don't deal necessarily with poverty, you have to figure out how to raise a child without a poverty mindset. So, And poverty mindsets are very interesting to me because I find that it not only impacts things like your socioeconomic factors, like, you know, the finances in the home or that kind of thing, but it impacts the way that you think as a parent. So, for instance, if you have five rand more than your parent had, would you choose to buy your child sweets or would you choose to buy them blueberries, which is quite expensive, you know, if you go and you look at it, if you compare it. But uh, a chocolate is about 50 bucks. And a bonnet of blueberries is about 50 or 60 rand. So what is the choice that you make with the things that you have now? And that's the core. That's the absolute core of my parenting belief is just very much looking at the things that I'm doing and questioning myself because I'm trying to raise a child I've never seen raised before. I was raised um, 
I was raised in a situation where criticism was used to motivate you. I was used, I was raised in a situation to motivate. Well, the way that it was put, the way that it was put to us, it's like, don't do what I do, do what I tell you to do. Or, you know, or, or they'd be honest, they'd be frank, they'd be like, no, I don't know what you're thinking or what you're doing. I don't know, but you must go and figure it out. So the onus was on me, the child, to figure out something I've not seen before. So I, so you weren't I didn't, guided, you'd say. Yes. And so I have a guidance philosophy. Like, I believe that you guide a child until they get it. Once they get it, it's almost like a practice makes perfect type of situation. I see that. I've seen that with my own child. Like you give her something in the beginning and it'll stamp her and then repeat, repeat, repeat. And that takes patience. I won't, it I won't lie. It absolutely is a repetitive thing that I agree with 100%. Yes. yes. And so we're at that phase right now where she is meant to have tying your shoelaces down. She doesn't. So the only thing that I can do is to gently keep showing her. And so she's now at a point where she's got one shoe down and the other shoe is still getting there. But like, I have to keep following those same steps over and over again until she gets it. And then when she gets it, I find she doesn't need me and she flies. And so I've seen that incrementally. And so now I just use that in terms of my philosophy. That's excellent. That's awesome. I do believe that uh, parenting is a guidance and repetitive journey. So I think that's amazing. So now I want to ask you, you've given me your parenting beliefs and what you believe, but you're parenting with a partner. And so he's come from a different upbringing and being raised differently. How do you two come together or come to an agreement in your different parenting styles and beliefs? So we spend a lot of time having like a state of the union time. So we we literally either start our day or end our day and spend a significant portion of our weekend generally at the top of the day discussing the weekend, discussing our child. Um, it's, it's really quite important because, and you'll find like even when we're in an argument, so when we're not seeing eye to eye, we make the time to discuss our child because there are things that you will miss on a day-to-day basis if you don't. So like for instance, I'll, I'll just use the most recent thing. The weather's been a bit grumpy here in South Africa. It's windy and it's cold. And so she has decided that she really, really does not want to go to school. So she's tag-teaming in terms of when she will message this to either myself or her father. Now, because we're so busy, you know, we might not have a conversation. But once I've dropped her off at school and I come back to start my day, I make it a point to debrief in terms of this is what she said to me. It's at this point that he'll say, oh, last night when I was putting her in bed, this is what she said to me. We'll find a lot of correlations, but then we also link up information that I maybe didn't have and he didn't have. So because we, we, we parent or we have different philosophies because we parent or have different philosophies on that. Um, And actually, no, I wouldn't say that we have different philosophies. We're aligned. Okay, We're so aligned. You found a common ground and you've compromised in a certain way and he's compromised in a certain way to be able to do it together. Yes. So so, so something you'll find is, is that the, 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 the one quality that the two of them share is stubbornness. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas I am somebody that will compromise and I'll be like, okay, go. So I have to call them both out on their stubbornness when they go at loggerheads. Something that she and I have in common is we can talk and talk and talk and talk. And so he's gotten very good at going, okay, like focus. Like, what is it that you're trying to say to me? Like, what, like, where is this going? So he's learned to do that with me over time. And now he knows to do that with her. So in terms of that, like, even though we were raised differently, we have, as you mentioned, common ground in terms of the fact that this is our child. And so we have to be in alignment with, um, with how we raise her. But interestingly enough, we didn't know this into like, you know, something is the way that it is, right? But then we attended a parenting course, um, the one that you have springboarded your parenting course off of, you know? And so we attended that parenting course and it taught us that what you know to be true is not necessarily how you will action it. And I found it was very powerful attending the course because it allowed me to align the intellectual and the practical. You know, so it's like practical and theory when you go to university and they say, oh, there's no class for, um, there's no class for, for parenting, but there actually is. There's so many. And I would encourage so many people to, to attend your parenting course just from the framework of you can understand that you've got a child. You can love your child, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you always know when it is to do what is best for your child. And that is what I appreciate about coming to specialists and saying, this is my child. This is what we have because it takes a village. You can't assume that you have everything that you need, especially in a generation where you're trying to raise a child you've never seen before. Right. Or a way in a way that you've never seen before. Correct. Yes. That's the best way to say it. Doing my parenting course in there. I didn't see that coming, but I'm glad you did. (laughs) So it's out there and people know that I do uh, facilitate a parenting course. But also you said something really awesome that when I asked you how you came to agree with with your partner in your different parenting styles in my mind I thought you were going to say to me oh we had a conversation while I was pregnant we had a conversation while I was pregnant and we were like this is what we're going to do but it's not just one conversation you literally are having daily conversations because it's an ever-changing ever-growing like unpredictable journey and so it can't just be one conversation I think that is freaking awesome yeah, no, I mean, if you think about your newborn and you think about your toddler and you think about your school age child, they are so different. They're completely different humans. And I have, I have something that I love by. I always say that as adults, we have expectations of children that we would never have of ourselves. We somehow expect them to be these perfect little human beings all the time. And when your child goes from being a baby, they're just the most adorable thing. You know, when they fall over, when they're learning to walk, you accept that. When they're a toddler and they're learning to speak and they mispronounce words, it's adorable and you accept that. Now, when they're seven and eight years old, now they're seen as mini adults, which is so wrong because they are still developing. But now you have expectations. And I find it, I personally experienced it as a dramatic age. And so I'm highly, I'm fierce about how my child experiences this age because she is developing. I mean, your, your brain develops um, until you are 25 years old. 25 so how, years. how we expect children 
to be able to understand adult principles is far and beyond me. If you guys can hear my dog, I have more than one child and my dog is just living his life right now. Please excuse That's me. That's okay. I'm sure everybody will understand dog's bark and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Yeah, so that's pretty much, that's pretty much when you're talking about the conversations where it comes from, because you're not, you're not raising like the five-year-old you had and the eight-year-old that you have. They're not the same person. You can't have the same expectations and you can't have the same conversations in terms of what to do today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the stages of her development and her growing and how you guys chose to parent her. So when she was younger and was sleeping, did you guys co-sleep or was she always on her own? Is she on her own now? Did you sleep train? Did you have a sleep routine? The whys and the whys nots? Like what was your sleep pattern with her? So the, the the fun thing about parenting is you always feel like you're somehow a step behind the rest. It's only when you speak to other mothers that you're like, oh, okay, it's it's like, it's not just me, you know, like you feel like you're quite alone in the journey. And with sleeping, with two things with, uh, with Gabriella, sleeping and eating was very difficult for us. Um, and because she was a colic baby, and I mean, she got colic uh, at day seven, which was quite early. Um, um, and yeah. it was severe. She had it for four months. And oh, so the yeah. first four months of her life was difficult and I was struggling. And I didn't have, you know, like a huge support base. It was pretty much just the two of us and her. And at the time, paternity leave for fathers was not what it is today. So I literally, I gave birth on a Wednesday. He was with, a, with us the Thursday and the Friday. And the, the Monday Friday. he was back at work. The Wednesday she got the colic. And then I didn't sleep for pro- probably two weeks because it was so intense. So the only way that I could cope was to have her sleep on top of me. It was the only way she settled. And okay. so I let I let it be. Like I gave in because I had all the baby books. I was subscribed to all of the the websites and none of it worked for me. So I put her on my chest and she slept. And I thought I was doing it for me, but I was actually doing it for her so she could sleep. Right, you know, which as a newborn, well. that is what she needed. So I, I I just I let go of what they tell you because I had her crib. I had everything that you need, you know, to ensure that your child sleeps successfully and gets sleep trained and honestly it didn't work. And we, we dealt with a lot of uh, regression, like even up until now, like she will be in a cot or she'll be in a bed, which she's always had. And if she comes to us in the middle of the night, I will let her come into the bed um, because I tend to prioritize the value of sleep over, you know, like, let's get it right. I do know other parents that are like completely like you need to go into bed. And I always ask them, like, how do you do that? And I find that they they all often say to me, like, I don't compromise on it. My bedroom is mine and yours is yours. Whereas with us, it's quite permeable. And it's like, okay, if you're having a bad dream, if you just can't sleep, which she's had, she's had, you know, times during COVID where she almost had insomnia because, you know, she was not processing things. So it's like, okay, you're fearful right now. You're scared right now. You need comfort. Come to like, if you're, if it's bedtime and it's not working, cause she's, she's had moments where she's been laying in bed for like three hours. It's not for lack of trying. 
And, you know, she comes to our bed and she falls asleep that way. So she does sleep in her own bed now. And she does still sometimes come into our bed. And I'm okay with that because I do know. And it's, it's also, it does come from how I was raised because I would also interchangeably get into my mother's bed. My sisters were the same. But then eventually when I got my own room and, you know, I got my own bed and, and it wasn't even that, like I had those things. Um, there was just a time when I was like, no, I want my own space now. And then I immediately just went into that. So I kind of feel like with some things, you need to let them unfold organically. And so with sleep, I've always done that. Okay, awesome. You mentioned that she was a picky eater. So transitioning her to foods, how did you manage having a picky eater? What is the situation like now as well? So I'm very, let me, let me start with the good news. Like I'm very grateful. I've got a very healthy eater right now. Um, she was a colic child that then migrated into being a picky eater. Fortunately, she was breastfed. So that was my saving grace because I knew we breastfed for two and a half years. And I knew that in doing that one thing for her, that no matter what was going on with the food situation, you know, if she had her breast milk, that she was nourished and that that gave me comfort. Now, moving then from, you know, um, just breast milk into solids, that was that was a fun time. She she wouldn't even she wouldn't even take to something like yogurt. Yogurt. You know, the I mean, there's kind, a video that a video. you sent me. Yes. So that's the first thing that came to mind. I remember the yogurt video. <laughs> like all of six months old, shaking your head. You do not want this yogurt for anything. Funnily enough, though, she's always loved simple food. Give her a piece of broccoli when she was teething and she just, so it had to be steamed um, and not all the way soft. And so she'd munch on that. Um, give her a drumstick as long as she could hold it in her hand and she'd munch on that. Um, crackers and toast, you know, things like that. So, you know, as long as it soothed her gums, she was fine with that. She's always loved fruit. So I've, I've, I'm fortunate that though I had a picky eater, my picky eater would choose healthy food. <laughs> yes, which which then, and I read something um, years ago that said, it, it, it doesn't matter what you put on the plate. You need to look at your child's plate over the course of a week. This week, did they get the grape? Did they get the banana? Did they get the carrot? Did they get the potato? If in the course of the week, they got those things, then you need to just like ease off instead of like putting the plate in front of her. Where food is concerned, because I was an overweight child, I am highly conscious of the fact to not force feed, um, to also accept when she goes, I'm full. And sometimes I will know she's not full, but you have the right to push your plate away and I will leave it where you have access to it as she got older and you can go back to it. That's you it. can, I you think can. It's really important. Sorry to cut you off, but it's very important because it's them learning their bodies. And so if they think they are full, let them think that until they realize they are not and they'll come back and they say, I'm hungry. So it's all about learning their bodies and learning to actually identify what it is they are or are not feeding. Absolutely. So I think that's awesome. And I also leave water like constantly. Like she does not leave this house without a water bottle. And when she was small, it was in the cuppy. Because nine times out of 10, you are genuinely full, but you're thirsty. And often, even as adults, we can misinterpret thirst for hunger. So she's always got access to water. And so that's just pretty much my philosophy because I had a fussy eater. 
let's like put it where she can find it when she wants it. And she's learned to eat like that. And now she's at a point where she's like, mom, I want to help you cook. And when she helps me cook nine times out of 10, she'll make a salad, you know, uh, or if she wants a snack, it's the banana and the peanut butter. And the peanut the, butter. For the video, you know. So it's just yeah. like I look at the choices that she makes and I, I, I feel proud of myself as a parent that I know that I installed that in her, even though I didn't see that growing up. That's amazing. That's amazing. So one more question before we wrap it up. Discipline. Yeah. How do you guys discipline? What is your discipline philosophies, if any? I have to tell you that like there is a time where I genuinely, I carry a heavy heart where it was very much old school discipline. So we have, we have hit the bum and we have threatened to hit the bum. Now, the thing is, I knew when I was pregnant that I didn't quite understand corporal punishment. Um, And I also knew that I did not know better. So there was an incident where she took something without asking for it. And the first time we observed the behavior, we let it go because we weren't entirely sure. And she was quite young. And then... The second time she came home with something that was from school and we assumed that she had taken it without asking for it. And that night, honestly, it was rough. And the next day after we had hit the bum, I, I literally, I cried myself to sleep. I was an emotional wreck the next day at work. My friend had to be like, listen, it's okay. Like we've all been down this path. You know, but I was not, I was not in my just depths of my soul. I was not comfortable with it because the thing that happened in both the threat and hitting is she did this thing um, where she had fear. In Afrikaans, we say, you know, so that, you know, yes. And um, when that happened and I saw that in my child, it genuinely, it broke me. And I was like, I will never, never do this again. Because what I realized is, is that I am meant to provide for you. I'm meant to guide you. I'm meant to love you. And I'm, I'm supposed to be your safe place. I mean, right. we live in a particular world. If you are afraid of me, then I cannot effectively do those other things because you always look at me as someone that's dangerous to you. And like we called, we sat down, we were like that experience, never again. We both, we were both emotional about this. Like, I'm so grateful about it. So even though we don't hit, we do get shouty. She sometimes says to me, mommy, you know, why are you so shouty? I raise my voice and I am learning to unlearn that. But I also know that she's at an age where she knows that I shout. So that happens. Um, and so in learning to do that, I've gone to therapy in learning to do that. I've gone into, um, a 12 step program to just understand where it comes from, you know, because it is an anxiety response from within myself that I did not manage to identify prior to having my child. And Mm -hmm. so now I'm learning this while I have my child, which I suppose as a parent will probably be one of those things that I simultaneously regret and am grateful for. I did lose you for a second there. I hope the recording was caught, but we are back on track. This has been such a fun chat with you. I wish we could go longer, but I have promised my audience that it will not be very long episodes. 
But I'm so thankful that you made the time out or took the time out to join me. And I will chat to you soon. Thank you so much. I want to say thank you for having me on. It was very nice to actually just think about my parenting journey mm-hmm. and then to discuss it in a safe space with somebody who spends her life understanding children. And again, if I have to say, people need to come to the parenting course. Honestly, it made Woo-hoo! a huge difference <laughs> in my life. Um, and the thing is, like, I'm prone. I think, you know, therapy and classes and everything works. I'm that kind of person. However, 100%. with Keenan, you know, he's he's the kind of person that's like, okay, no, no, no. And he found so much value in it and has been something he has recommended to people and actually been like, you have a child, but you don't have a guide. He's that person now. Like, go for oh, a parenting amazing. course. Yes. Amazing. So I do, I do just want to let people know to attend the course. It is probably the best money you will spend on your child and yourself and it's very well worth it so thank you for having me this was amazing and i love what you're doing with the podcast awesome and on that note i don't feel like i have to say anymore i will see everybody next week have a wonderful week bye thank you for tuning into the parenting we hope you enjoyed today's episode If you have any questions, feedback, or content suggestions, please email us at taren at theparenting.com. Please remember to subscribe, like, share, and give my aunt a five-star rating.